This is a Kansas Memory, the Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast, featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in our collection. Bleeding Kansas is a powerful term. For many Kansans, it brings to mind images of battles between anti- and pro-slavery forces and contested elections. Some may view it as the propaganda war in the East to win political support for Kansas to enter the Union as a free state. Others may recall accounts of massacres attributed to John Brown and his anti-slavery followers. Others may just think Bleeding Kansas was all hype, manufactured by the media. However, threats to life were a reality in territorial Kansas, as several letters from the period illustrate. Imagine if you were the wife who received this letter from your husband at least a week after it was written. Letters were delivered after traveling by horse, railroad, and possibly steamboat. You might have seen accounts of conflicts in eastern newspapers because snippets of news were transmitted by telegraph, but you would have to wait another week or so to receive the next letter from your husband, if he was still alive. Headquarters, December 6, 1855. My dear wife, Major Shanklin is just leaving for the States, and I have only opportunity to write a line. My last informed you that we are in the midst of difficulties. This informs you that as yet they have not ceased... We are now hourly expecting an attack. 1,000 troops are now assembled in Lawrence on our side. 400 of the enemy are six miles south of us and 508 miles west of us. There is now no kind of question but that there will be the biggest kind of a fight. I am doing all I can to prevent it. But if the enemy attack us, they will catch. And no mistake. Kiss Lily for me. I may never see you or her again. But if not, remember, I fall honorably as I trust I have lived. As ever, C.K. Holliday. This letter was written by Cyrus K. Holliday to his wife Mary in Meadville, Pennsylvania, on December 6, 1855. Lawrence was a free state stronghold, but it was surrounded by up to 1,500 pro-slavery forces. Territorial Governor William Shannon personally went to Lawrence and was successful in crafting a peaceful resolution to the potential armed conflict. Several months later, Mary Holliday wrote to her husband, who had become one of the founders of Topeka, about the fact that the news of the sack of Lawrence in May 1856 would not deter her from joining her husband in Kansas. Meadville, May 29, 1856. My dear husband, you are indeed having lamentable times there in Kansas. The latest intelligence from the territory informs us of the destruction of the hotel and Brown's printing office at Lawrence and the assembling of the Free State men at your place for the purpose of fighting it out. I hope the difficulty will be settled more amicably. It's horrible to think of fighting, to think of you surrounded and in the midst of so much danger, gives me no pleasant feelings. A fearful sensation thrills my breast whenever I take up the latest paper, lest I should discover among the names of the slain or wounded the name of my much-loved husband. These things are awful, yet I trust that God will defend the right. Mr. Nichols called today. He said that he could not determine positively what day he would leave for Kansas, but wished to do so as soon as he had later word from the war. Perhaps we may go next week. I will write you, however, before we leave. You appear to entertain some fears as to the propriety of my leaving a quiet place for one of excitement and trouble. Now, my dear husband, abandon all such apprehensions and let me come to you. I'm pretty certain that I can live there and endure as much as those ladies who are already there and have been all through the struggle. I've received your letters of May the 16th and 18th. Before this, you will have received some from me, containing $398, which you may think sufficient for your present use. 
and the remainder I will take with me, as I am going soon. Kate Gill was buried last Sunday. Her funeral was very large. I received a letter from Mrs. Roberts in which she invites me most cordially to pay her another visit soon. She says Lucy is very poorly at present and has been out of health for some time. Ottinger is getting along finely with his school. We are enjoying the usual good health. Your health, I hope, is good. Nothing more today. Hoping that you will soon be at peace and that I shall be with you ere long. I subscribe myself, your faithful wife, Mary Holiday. Families on both sides of the conflict were concerned about their loved ones. In September of 1856, ardent abolitionist John Brown wrote to his second wife about the Battle of Osawatomie, during which his son, her stepson, Frederick, was killed. Although Brown had followed his sons, John Jr., Jason, and Frederick to Kansas, he was becoming known as one of the most outspoken and radical abolitionists in Kansas Territory. Lawrence, Kansas Territory, 7th of September, 1856. Dear wife and children, every one, I have one moment to write you to say that I am yet alive, that Jason and family were well yesterday. John and family, I hear, are well, he yet being a prisoner. On the morning of the 30th of August, an attack was made by the ruffians on Osawatomie, numbering some 400, by whose scouts our dear Frederick was shot dead without warning, he supposing them to be free state men, or as near as we can learn. The other man, a cousin of Mr. Adair, was murdered by them about the same time. At this time, I was about three miles off, where I had some 14 or 15 men overnight that I had just enlisted to serve under me as regulars. There I collected as well as I could with some 12 or 15 more, and in about three quarters of an hour attacked them from a wood with thick undergrowth. With this force, we threw them into confusion, for about 15 or 20 minutes, during which time we killed and wounded from 70 to 80 of the enemy, as they say, and then we escaped as well as we could with one killed while escaping, two or three wounded, and about as many as more missing. Four or five free state men were butchered during the day as well. Jason fought bravely by my side during the fight and escaped with me, he unhurt. I was struck by a partly spent grape canister or rifle shot, which bruised me some, but did not injure me seriously. Hitherto the Lord both helped me, notwithstanding my afflictions. Things now seem rather quiet just now, but what another hour will bring I cannot say. I am utterly unable to write you for most of the time. May the God of our fathers bless and save you all. Your affectionate husband and father, John Brown. Brown's account of his son's death was made in passing, consisting of only one sentence in the letter. A more impassioned reaction to the death of a loved one was written by a pro-slavery supporter, a young woman named Cena Campbell. The aggression in Miss Campbell's letter contradicts the stereotypical image of 19th century women, but it illustrates the intensity of feelings in bleeding Kansas. Campbell wrote to James Montgomery, the leader of the militia company that killed her fiancé, John Little. 
The letter was written on January 4, 1859, in Fort Scott. Montgomery, listen to me. Today I heard you said in a speech a few days since that you were not sorry you had killed John Little, that he was not killed too soon. Can you before God say so? Ah, oh, the anguish you have caused. He was one of the noblest of men ever created, brave and true to his country and word. You can't prove he ever injured an innocent person. A few days more, and we were to have been married, then go south to trouble you no more. But through your influence he was killed, sent to another world without even time to pray or say goodbye to his friends. But thanks to God, if you did kill his body, you can't touch his soul. No, no, it is in the spirit land, for he now quietly sleeps in our little graveyard. But remember this, I am a girl, but I can fire a pistol, and if ever the time comes, I will send some of you to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You, a minister of God, you mean a minister of the devil, and a very superior one, too. I have no more to say this time, and you and your imps, please accept the sincere regards for your future repentance. Sandy Campbell all of these letters give insight into the fear and anguish that family members of those participating in the conflicts in Bleeding Kansas had to endure. Since mail was the primary means of communication, family members who weren't in Kansas heard from their relatives sporadically, days or weeks after events in Kansas had been described in the Eastern newspapers. Contrast this with today's almost instant communication via cell phones or email. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of Territorial Kansas Online, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Bleeding Kansas era. The URL for the website is www.territorialkansasonline.org. Thank you.